back to Reservation Redemption. And I want to do some shout outs because I thought that I knew a lot about what had happened in our history. And the more I dive into this documentary and talk to people, I learned I don't know a lot at all. I just watched a film. It's been out since 2013 and it's called We Were Children. And it's about the boarding schools in Canada. And Lena Hart um, is a big voice in this film. And her character, which is herself as a little girl, they couldn't have picked a better child to play her in the reenactment because it's adorable and it just made it so much more heartbreaking. She was four years old when she entered this school. And the things that happened to these kids, just, you just can't believe they're real and that this had been happening for years. These schools opened in the late 1800s and the last one opened in 1969. That's not so long ago. So how many, you know, poor damaged kids do we have walking around out there that have had to overcome so much from the beginning and a lot of them not, you know, not believed when they did bring it up. Like Glenn says in this film, you know, he tried to tell his auntie and she didn't believe him because these were priests. These were men of God, men of the cloth. And, you know, why would you not believe them? Of course, you have to be making this up. You're a kid. Well, everybody knows what the truth is now. And if you're watching 1923, um, you're getting a big dose of it as well, and it is just unbelievable um, the things that our Indigenous people have had to endure over the years, and especially the kids. This is just wrong on so many levels, but please watch We Were Children. It's out. I know it's on Amazon Prime. It's, I believe I might have seen it on Netflix or Hulu, so please just search for it. Promise me you'll watch it. It will definitely change your life, and it's something that cannot be unseen, so just be aware. Also, I want to talk a little bit about Chief and who Chief is. I know that we had a lot in the intro, in the first intro episode, about my relationship and the fact that I've known him for over, you know, gosh, it must be, I don't even want to say it, <laughs> but it's a lot of years. Anyway, since he's been incarcerated for 35 years, you can just imagine. He has been incarcerated with people like Robert Lee Yates, Ken Bianchi, and Gary Ridgway. You might recognize those names as infamous serial killers that are housed in the same place that Chief was housed for most of the time that he's been in prison at Washington State Penitentiary. Recently, he was moved. He has been at, I think, three different prisons, if not four, within Washington State, just because they tend to do that. They do move you around at times, depending on situations. Through no fault of his own, it's just sometimes you end up dealing with the gang mentality versus what we like to call the Red Road um, in prison when you're Native American. And he has a lot to teach and say about that. And I interviewed him several times throughout the documentary that we're building. And I wanted to share 
some of the, the calls that were made with him. And you'll notice that we have to piece together, you know, every 20 minutes you have to start over to be able to speak. And I had to record from my phone. So um, I'm hoping the audio is, is good enough for you to really get the idea of who he is and his spirit, because it's very different than anyone I've ever come across that has been in prison. And I'm hoping that people like him start to make a difference and really change lives. And I know that he has changed several lives. Um, and it's funny how everyone's connected. Families are connected. Um, he doesn't even know that he's helping people that are family members with other people that he's met or that he's been connected with. And it's funny when he has these realizations, um, and I'm hoping you'll you'll notice them as we're going through these interviews with the people that I've met. Chief talks a lot about his culture and how it has really made the difference in his life and being able to stay sane within the prison system and to stay focused on who you wanna be and how you wanna live your life and not have to live the way other people want you to, the peer pressure, which still exists no matter where you're at, how to have a family culture being in prison because it can be done. So I want to introduce you to Chief and uh, let you hear some of what he has to say. I've got it recording now, so tell me, um, let's go back to you talking about the evolution of the culture and, um, you know, how it all started for you. Well, and I think I mentioned before that, uh, you know, that, that I would go to Sweat Lodge and pray for these things and, and have these experiences, these, these powerful experiences. Um, and then I would leave the Sweat Lodge and return back to the cell block and be back, thrust back into this world in here. And then I would just adapt, acclimate, I guess, uh, back into the cell block uh, culture or whatever as a young man. And I had a real conflict with that because nothing in these places like that is positive, right? It's a negative, everything, everything, you know, is, is a pretty negative deal. And so it really bothered me that I was doing that. And so when, um, so I was battling with that, that inner, inner fight, I guess, inner struggle. And then Francis, he came along and um, it's really funny how we met too, because up to that point we had other Native American sponsors and, um, they did nothing. They had. They didn't give us no guidance, and, and, and everybody respected, um, knew to respect the sweat lodge and the ceremonies, but we didn't have a vast knowledge of, of, of beyond that. You know what I mean? And so, how to, you know, how, basically how you walk each day of your life, you know, and how you how you talk and how you what your focus is and who you, you know things of that nature. And so when Francis came along, it was so funny because when he came up here. Um, he, the, he, you know, he first meets with the chaplain, and the chaplain said, well, look, you need to go to 8 Wing, which is a cell block inside the walls at, at the penitentiary here. He says, you need to go meet Chief. He says he's one of the leaders around here. He's been around here a, a while, and um, he's someone you need to talk to. So they called me down. It's funny because they called me out of my cell, and they said to report down to the, to the officer station. And now you just easily meet you're in trouble, right? So I go down there, and I've got my guard up. My defenses are up. 
And so the, the guard says, hey, there's an Indian guy in the day room that wants to talk to you. And I'm like, me? He said, yeah. And I looked in there, and I didn't recognize him, you know. There's this uh, Indian guy in there. And so I go in there, and I said, you want to see me? And he said, oh, yeah. And so he said, hey, my name's Francis, and um, I'm the new Native American sponsor. So now instantly I've got a bad taste in my mouth because of our sponsors previously have been just people that got a paycheck. That's all they did. And I'm, I'm not here nor there. And I'm not saying nothing bad. It's just they weren't helpful at all. And so I told him, I said, you know, I said, uh, I said, I don't mean no disrespect, man. I said, but if you just come here for your paycheck, then just don't just stay home. But don't, don't even come bother us because, you know, we don't need that. We need somebody that can give us the guidance that, that is needed. And I said, I'm just being honest with you. And that's exactly my almost verbatim what I told him. You had 60 seconds remaining. And so uh, that's what I said to him. And and I still ref- I don't, I don't reflect on it as much anymore because that was almost 30 years ago. And I, I just still, but he handled that with such dignity that I was in awe of it. He didn't get defensive or nothing. He understood what I was saying, you know, and... The rest is history. I mean, you know, he came in, and it wasn't so much what he taught as it was how he carried himself and how he cared about us. That's what drew all of us to him, and that we admired him, that we instantly respected him. And then as we learned from him through the medicine, the teachings of medicines that just, and it wasn't like, hey, he sat down and did a seminar. It wasn't like that. He just walked his talk. And that was what was really powerful for us. And and so I drew to that like a moth to a flame. I mean, it was just it was just incredible. And so I, he would come see me a lot. And we would have long talks. Because he's plateaued too, which is, which is what my tribe. And so he really um, taught me a lot about our ceremonies, our songs, the things that are important to my people's culture and that I didn't didn't have the knowledge of. And so with that experience or influence or, or whatever you want to call it, it really helped me to strive to be that and try and strive to understand it more. And so that was really, I would say, that's when the momentum really picked up for me. And um, I, really, I really learned to to walk the way that he walked in life. Interesting. That's what I wanted. I wanted to be who this man was is what I wanted to be in my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it took me, it, it wasn't overnight. It was a progression. And because I was, it's hard in here because you're dealing with negativity every moment of every minute of every day. <laughs> and so it's hard to be focused on your spiritual, cultural life when you don't have like-minded people around you. You know what I'm saying? And so it was a real struggle. But finally, after a couple of years or so, I really, really seated strong in me. And I was probably about 25, 26 is when it started seating in on me and, and really taking root. And and that was, I don't know, I guess say probably 20-something, 25, 20 years ago. And it really, you know, it's just been a, a, just an amazing walk since. And but it didn't happen overnight, and it's still happening. It's it's it never ends. It's a, it's a continuous evolution of your growth. And when you understand, when you start to understand where 
where where the where the culture uh, comes from and where how it influenced and how it still influences today, how it's a, a, a beacon for you to walk in your life, then you feel better about who you are. And it doesn't matter what you did or didn't do previously to understanding the knowledge that you gained through the culture. And for me, it's been a continuous evolution, and it will be. And it's something that the, all of our elders say is that, you know, you always continue to grow and learn every day of your life up until the day that you that you pass over. And and, and I see that for what it is today. You know, I, I acknowledge that and I understand that. And, you know, we, we all come from, um, or a lot of people come from really tough backgrounds, whether it be neglect or abuse or, or addiction or whatever it may be. But the thing about the culture is, is that in the, in the, the spiritual ways of your life, it, 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 it helps heal that. It helps, it helps say, look, it's okay. You can't change that. It's what matters is who you are and how you grow and how you evolve. And that's what matters. It's not about nothing else but you, your center. And I spoke to that earlier about your center. And when you can come back to that center and remind yourself of who you are and deep inside your heart, then you learn to heal the traumas in your life. And it's a, you don't ever forget them, don't get me wrong, but you learn to not let them be an influence or a factor in your decision-making or in your attitude or in your persona in your life. Right. And I think that that's really what it's about. And so, I don't know, I just, I, I really share that with anybody and everybody that will listen to me. doesn't matter if they're Indian or not. This is, this is the, the story I tell about that, about it's, it's within your power. To, to evolve in your life and to be who you need to be. And you have to stop and look within to begin that process, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So out of all of the people inside that you come in contact with, how many do you think have changed their path for the positive? Uh, I, I would say that the number's small. Um, because it's so hard to stand on that um, platform and walk that road um, because of this environment. But what I do see is I see a large number of people that want it. That's what I see. It's huge. And they just don't know how to navigate. They don't know how to begin the process. And the other thing is they don't know how, they do not know how to not let opinions of others of them uh, affect their daily walk in life in here that's the hardest thing you've got to you've got to get a thicker skin and you've got to not care um because in here that's all there is y'all people oh he does this or he doesn't do that or whatever right i mean it's just this it's like being a junior high almost but on a grander on a more serious level right you know yeah so it definitely is something where you know, popularity or control, um, you know, and being worried about those that they feel are in control and what they think of them. And so that can really change their focus instead of just focusing on themselves and what they need to do to walk the right path. Yeah, very true. And, 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 yeah, it, it's 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 it is exactly what it's like. Um, 
but what I've experienced is that the people that will talk to me, that, because people come to me, I don't go to them. They come to me, and they'll start talking about something about that. And mostly because of how I carry myself, how I walk each day. I'm the same guy every day, and I treat everybody. It doesn't matter, white, black, Hispanic. It doesn't matter who you, what you are. I treat everybody with respect, you know. And I always tell everybody, they'll say, well, why, why did you do this? Or why do you, why do you, why do you talk to that guy or whatever it may be, right? They don't right. like him because of this reason or that reason or whatever. And what I always say, my answer is this, which is, a, an, an, which is an answer Francis gave me. He doesn't even probably remember it, but like 20-something years ago. He said, Chief, he says, it was about judgment is what it was about. And he said to me, he said, you know, he said, I treat people the way I treat them. And I respect people the way I respect them because of who I am, not because of who they are. And that really resonated with me. I thought that was a powerful uh, uh, statement. You know what I mean? Like wh- who you have to be in your life right. to be able to do that. You know what I mean? Yes. And so I have I have done that for many years now, and that's who I am. I just, you know, if you can't respect yourself, that's all right. I got you, man. I'll, I'll give you some respect. You know, what I mean? as a human being, as you know, that, that you exist, you have a life in you. You know what I mean? Like right. That. Yeah. That is powerful. Yes. Yes. And I and to me that's that that that's the factor that gets and what what comes from that is respect from other people because of 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 that action. You know, um, and that's just a part of the culture. It's a part of the teachings, man. Because our our tradition, our culture, is about respecting all life not just the ones that you like and that you admire, but to, to respect all life. And I think that that's uh, something that people aren't in tune with today in this world, whether it be in here or out there, uh, understanding the magnitude of that statement, of that of that uh, moral or value or whatever you want to call it. Right. I think that's the really the, the big deal. That is a great way to live, for sure. Well, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> so in in the time that you've been in there, how many of the people that you've known and that you've counseled have been released? Oh man, I don't know. A lot, a lot. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I I couldn't put a number on it. I've really tried to set the example of how we walk in life. Um, and that you have to let your environment dictate who you are. Right. And I, I really try to do that. I think that, especially in an environment like this, I mean, if you can do it in here, you can walk wherever in life is, no matter what you find yourself, situation you find yourself in. Right. Um, you can you can still be you, and that's really the key to this. And you have to learn who you are first. You know what I mean? And once you know who you are, then you can focus on you and not worry about the outside influences that might bait you into the negative life. Exactly. Yes. Very much so. And that's, I mean, that's a great way to be, especially, you know, for those that are returning to the outside and having to start living again and to try to, you know, not end up back in there. I mean, that's the goal, right? <laughs> right. Well, uh, it should be. 
Yeah. And, and the biggest thing I think that guys have that they struggle with is not only trauma, but which leads to addiction. And I think the addiction becomes the biggest um, demon in their life. And that's the hardest thing to overcome is that addiction. And I've, I've tried to explain to guys that, you know, they say, well, I don't like this, I don't want to do that. And I, and I don't know, I don't know if... I don't know if I'm unique about that or what, but for me, I drew a line after this happened. I drew a line quickly, instantly in my life. I literally just drew a, a, a mental line, told myself that I would never let this, this, these, any kind of addiction affect my life uh, negatively ever again, ever. I, this wasn't who I am. And this brought, this brought all my traumas to, 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 to bear, I guess, and, and created the situation that affected my life for a long time. Right. And I, so I try to I try to tell guys that, that you have to just, you have to man up and you have to draw a line. And you have to, no matter what, come hell or high water, you don't cross that line, ever. And that's what I tell them. You know, like you have to get to that point if you really want it. Right. You know, because, I mean, obviously we could go on forever about this addiction and how it affects everybody, but I think the trauma... There's so much, there's been so much sadness in our communities due to suicide because of trauma, because of, of addiction. And, you know, we've lost so many people. Um, I've had people in my family have committed suicide. Um, I know a lot of people that I'm close to that have committed suicide. It is such a, it's such a, 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 a terrible thing that's, that's, that happens in our, our Native American communities and reservations. And it's really, really bothersome. Me and Francis have talked extensively over the years. We've actually tried to figure out how we can address that. How can we get people to realize that this moment that you're experiencing will not last forever and that you have to hold fast and that life is a gift, even if it isn't what you want it to be at that moment. Right. And I think that's the hardest thing that we, that we carry because we still speak about it from time to time. And I speak against it, and I try to tell people that this, just that, that, hey, you know, these experiences you're having are not going to last forever. You know, um, I think that's just something that, that I really wish that we had an answer for. I really wish we could get people to see is that, that look, that's not the choice to take because that just creates more trauma for other people in the family, in the families, and in the communities. You know, it's disheartening, and the loss is <clears throat> is... Uh, the loss is so wrong and unexpected. It's so premature, you know, I guess, you know? Right. And I think that's really what, what happens. And I don't know. I think that I really wish there was, wish we could get people to, to understand that, that, they, that, that, that the people value them, even if they don't understand that they feel value for themselves, that people value them. And just knowing that they're in this world, even if they are struggling, is still... A strength is drawn from that, from their family, that, hey, you know, my, my son or my nephew or my niece or my daughter or whatever is still here, even if she's not living a good life or he's not living a good life, he's still here. And, that, and people, you know, they have that hope. And, and once they make that decision for suicide, then that hope is gone and that power is gone that their family experiences um, knowing they're in this world. Right. If that makes any sense. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And I know it's so much homelessness and you know people just destroy their lives with addiction and you know watching people basically fry their brains with drugs and then you know either schizophrenia or some other mental disorder takes over 
and you know pretty soon they're they're just a shell of who they used to be and that's so disheartening and and just seeing people that you know I'm sure at one point were you know had their stuff together maybe and something happened like you said trauma in their life and then they just lost lost their path lost you know what it was that was good in their life no very true and I think that through the culture through our culture and through a a spiritual walk in your life that you learn coping skills because you learn who you are and when you can get to that 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 point then then you can adapt to whatever's going on around you and you learn these coping skills and the we are born with, I mean, we're born with them, but we, we have to learn about them from ourselves, through our experiences. But if you if you have nothing but, but negative uh, addiction, you know, a lot of our families are have addictions, and if you live in that al- alcoholic family and, and stuff, then you do feel like there's no hope, that there's nowhere to go. And I think that, you know, this, this just wish that folks could understand that there is, there is places, there is people, and that people care, but they just don't know it at that moment in time, you know? Right. Um, it's just tough, man. It really is. Yeah, it's hard to watch, for sure. Especially when you can't help someone, they have to decide to help themselves, and that's what it really comes down to. And I think, and it depends on the, the, obviously the age of the individual and what they've what they're experiencing in their life. Really, um, I, I think I don't think you can just put them all in one basket, right? I think they all have everybody's individual. They all have their own individual struggles and and, and troubles and, and things that are going on in their life that that you can't. So it's not just a fix all for for everybody. It's not just one answer. Right. You know I mean, there's it's all, there's different answers. There's different re- resolutions. There's different examples of how you can. Um, uh, get through these situations that you're going through. Right. That's what we need, you know? Yeah. For sure. It's tough, right? <clears throat> it is, and and you would pretty much say everybody in there is in there because of those types of issues. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Now, yeah, I would say, yeah, I would say probably 90, 90, 95% of them are, are here because of that. Yeah. Right. I was going to ask you, um, one of the, I don't know if you've heard the story of the Hillside Stranglers, right. but Kenneth Bianchi, I believe, right. um, is is there in, at Walla Walla with you. Right. He's in, uh, he's in protective custody. Yeah, because... Since he came in. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, he's a serial killer. <laughs> A bad one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they won't let him. There, there's a all of the notorious guys are, are are away from the main population just because of that. Because yeah. Of their their crimes and stuff. Yeah. How many of them are in there that are like that? Do you ha- know who's in there? Um, uh, I know Gary Ridgeway, the Green River Killers here. Um, they got him put away over here, away from everybody. Um. There's a Yates out of Spokane. I forget his uh, what his first name there is. He's a serial killer. He actually used to work down here. We have 60 seconds remaining. Oh, wow. Uh, then Kevin Bianchi. Then uh, Kevin Coe was here, but I hear he, he got out. I don't know if it's true or not, but I don't, I don't track them guys at all. So when you say he got out, he just moved to a different prison? 
He didn't like get out, get out. Yeah, I'm not. I don't. I'm not sure. Honestly, I don't know. Like I said, I really don't know. I can't even speak on it because I don't know exactly. Gotcha. That's wild. Makes you look like a choir boy. (laughs) Yep, yep. If you want to talk talk tomorrow, um, yeah. If there's anything else you think of, we can roll again tomorrow. Okay. 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 You too. Thanks for tuning in, and if you like what you hear, please subscribe and hit the bell so you're notified when we upload our next episode. Check out our website at reservationredemption.com, and if you have any inquiries or want to discuss your Native journey, send me an email at reservationredemption at untamedriver.com. Please definitely include any stories if you have missing members of your family. We definitely want to help. Follow us on Twitter, Rez Podcast, so that's at R-E-Z-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Facebook, Rez Redemption with R-E-Z Redemption. And an IG, it's just Reservation Redemption. Thanks so much again for listening in, and we hope to uh, have you hanging out with us next time.